Thank you for joining our podcast from New Life Church Greenbrier. If you're joining us for the first time, we would love to know about it. Just text Greenbrier to 88000 and fill out one of our Connect cards. Now, let's listen in to today's message. My name is Adam Sutterfield, and I'm excited to get to speak with you this morning on what the Lord shared on my heart uh, this week. Pastor Tim and Shelley, they are in Saline County at our campus there of New Life, getting to uh, spend some time with them and give Pastor Chad a break there. And uh, I know Tim, Pastor Tim, he mentioned last week, I think he only mentioned it in the second service, that about him growing up in Saline County, and this is his first time to go visit there, and you know, that there may be some people that walk up there and fall out when they see that he's a pastor. And I definitely can relate to that because being a Faulkner County native myself, every time I get up here, I'm looking out there for somebody going, is that Adam Sutterfield? So I kind of feel the same way every time I'm here, but I'm thankful for God's grace and God's redemption and the way that God's able to move through us despite our past or anything that's, that's been happening. Um, but we are going to continue today in our study on Matthew and um, we're going to share some things that, when I was first reading through this passage, I wasn't exactly sure how the Lord wanted to, me to relate to it. And as the more I got studying, I was like, well, gosh, this, this relates to all of us, and, and especially to me. And so I'm excited to get into it today, and we're going to be talking about Peter. And for just a minute, I want you to think, a lot of you have probably heard of Peter in the Bible and in the New Testament. But I want you to just, for a second, think of what is the first thing you think of when I say Peter from the New Testament. Maybe it's a story or a verse or something that comes to your mind. And we'll kind of come back to that here in a little bit. But I think for most of us, most of those big names, there's something that they remind us of, a story or whatever. So, But anyway, let's jump in. Before we do, I want to pray real quick as we get started. So y'all just join with me. Father God, we thank you again for an amazing worship. God, we thank you for your presence that's here with us today. God, I thank you for your word and the way that you bring it to life, Lord. And I pray that you, uh, you just help me to speak your words today as we, as we study this and we look at how we can apply it to our lives, Father. And I pray that you just open our hearts and our, our minds and our ears to what it is that you would have us to see and to bring us closer to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, our main text for today is going to be in, found in Matthew 26, starting in verse 30. And so this is right after the Lord's Supper, where they've went in, they've had this intimate time with Jesus. He's sharing them all these things with his disciples about what's to come and, and how to prepare for it, and they've had this special time. And then they go out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus is talking to them. And if you're very familiar with it, some of you already know where this story's going, and this is Peter's big fail moment, right? And maybe that's what some of us think of when we think of Peter. But Matthew 26, starting in verse 31, he says, On the way, Jesus told them, Tonight all of you will desert me. For the Scriptures say God will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. He was re referencing a prophecy from back in Zechariah. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even knew me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. 
We're going to jump down now to verse 69, where we see this actually play out. He says, Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, You are one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man. He said, a little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Now in Luke's writing of this particular scene, it says here that Jesus, from a distance over there, he actually looked at Peter in this moment. And suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Man, can you imagine being so close as Peter was and to have that moment of denial and for Jesus to even glance at you right there in front of him? I can't imagine the anguish he must have been in. I mean, I've done some pretty crazy stuff back in the day that I'm for sure ashamed of, but none of it comes close to denying Jesus right in front of him. You know, that's a, that's a pretty dark place to be. That's, that's the high, highest point on the shame list, probably, of the things that we could do. I mean, if you think about it, this is the same guy that Jesus included in his inner circle through so many powerful things that happened. It was Peter and James and John in the house of Jairus, where Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. He had the, the same... Peter was among the disciples that Jesus chose to witness the transfiguration. What a moment. He got to see that. And then these same three, Jesus saw, saw Jesus' agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. So how does someone that close to Jesus and in all these scenarios get himself in a situation like this? How do we get ourselves in a situation when we consider ourselves close to Christ and yet we find ourselves maybe not in this exact way but in different ways denying Christ in our own lives? I think that we can look at a few things here that maybe we can apply and look at to maybe avoid some of these situations. The first thing is pride convinces us that we can do it on our own. Man, pride gets in the way of so many things. It's the root of so many issues, and it has been from the beginning. But look at this. I mean, Peter, Peter was a pretty confident dude, and he thought he had it all together. He even, he even told Jesus. He said, I got this. No, Jesus, you don't understand. Jesus is trying to tell him, no, this is going to happen. He said, no, man, we're tight. There's no way this would be me. There's no way that this could happen. Even if I had to die, I would never deny you. But he wasn't listening to the words of Jesus because Jesus told him what was about to happen. How many times do we do that in our own lives? I know I've done it many times. Um, we, get, we get overconfident. Uh, things will be going smoothly. It's easy to kind of become lazy in our walk a little bit or how close we are with the Lord. For me, sometimes it's the, it's the easiest for me to get off and get overconfident in areas where maybe I'm talented. You know, you're good at something, and you can, you can actually pull it off on your own a lot of the time or to a certain degree to where we leave Jesus out of it. And we can become prideful in that, and we can miss the mark. But the devil, he knows right where our weak spots are. And that's what happens when we get overconfident. 
and we let pride get in. He slides in those little cracks. He'll start to attack. I mean, we see it all the time in our own lives. We see it throughout the Bible. But, I mean, really, we see it all over the news in today's lives. You know, look at, you don't have to look very far. You look at the pastors and Christian leaders that are falling in these days. And you're like, what? How could that happen? I mean, these guys, these are supposed to be the ones that have got it together. They're the closest to Jesus. How does that happen to them? These are people that most, most likely have said, I will never abandon Jesus. I'll never fall into sin, like re- unrepentant sin or, or, or those areas. I'll, I'll stay holy. I've got boundaries in place. I won't dishonor Jesus. And yet they find themselves in these situations. And I think a lot of times it's because we become reliant on ourselves and we let pride get in the way. To be honest, this is one of the things that was the scariest to me when I, God was calling me to be a pastor. Because it puts a big target on your back. And I do a good enough job of having a target on my back on my own. I, don't, I didn't need much help. But I knew that's what God was calling me to do. But, but we see that the devil loves to shame and embarrass and take down the people that are closest to Christ because it discredits him. And if he can discredit what he's doing by making people be prideful and fall, then it turns people away. We lose our witness. And that's the sad time and the sad part about it. But we see that even this happened to Peter. He was closer than any of these people, any of us. A firsthand best friend witness to all of this is pretty close, and yet he still found himself succumbing to this and found himself shamed, embarrassed, and weeping bitterly, it said. So we can't let our pride get in the way and get too overconfident. The second thing I think we can see in this is that a lack of spiritual discipline makes us vulnerable to temptation. It kind of walks hand in hand sometimes with getting overconfident and our spiritual discipline starts to slack a little bit. Peter had an opportunity to surrender his will to God in between these two stories of of Jesus predicting it and it happened. They were in the Garden of Gethsemane right after Jesus had predicted his denial but before it had actually played out. Matthew 26, 36 through 45 says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father... If it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. See, Jesus was acknowledging the will of the Father in this. Then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep and he said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? just told you what's about to play out and you're over here sleeping. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. All of our bodies are weak. Without spiritual discipline, we will fail. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples 
and finally said, just go ahead and sleep. <laughs> it's like at this point, get your rest. But look, the time has come and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Sometimes, even when we have a relationship with Jesus, we can get self-dependent. And we can be lacking in our time that we're spending in the Word or in prayer. And it becomes secondary instead of primary in our lives. And it starts to affect the decisions we make. It starts to affect the world around us. If we're not pressing into His plan and purpose for our lives, constantly surrendering, we can miss what He's wanting to do. And we can miss His will in our lives. We have to be able to discern what that is. And we have to be close to Him to be able to do that. The third thing I think we see about this time is that isolation makes us weak. See, Peter, he was by himself in that courtyard. The rest of the disciples weren't with him at that time. After Jesus was arrested, it said at that point all the disciples deserted him and fled, but it says that Peter followed in a, at a distance. He followed to go see what was going on, and he caught himself out there in the courtyard. In Proverbs 18.1, it says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. It's a lot easier for me to stand against the temptations of this world around me and the things that come at me, and also to be able to stay in the will of the Lord when I surround myself with like-minded people, with other believers. And right now, it's so important than ever. We have so many voices coming from every direction. And we're coming out of a period of isolation where there's been so many things, wrong areas that we're getting counsel from or that we're getting information from or that other things are in our ear besides the Word of God and God's people to discern that. And that isolation makes us so weak and vulnerable. I know that there are stories and people in this room, because I know a lot of you, where the last thing you need is to be isolated. You need people around you to support you. You're going through some stuff. It's so much easier when you have people there with you to do it. And this is, I'm not going to get up on stage very often and not talk about life groups. We've got life groups coming up on August 28th. We will launch, and if you don't know what that is, you'll start hearing a lot about it. We have small groups and life groups that meet all different types. But it's about building community and family together to where people have your back in those times when you're weak. And we can be stronger in the Lord and we can learn more about Him. We don't have to fall in some of these situations. So, how many of you, when I mentioned Peter earlier, this was the moment you went to? You remember him denying Christ, and that's kind of, I mean, for me, for a while, that's, that was kind of what I knew Peter for. But I think it's so important that we don't leave Peter there, because that's not the end of his story, right? We've got to look at what comes next. We don't, we don't want to be remembered by our big fail moments, and neither does, neither does Peter, and neither is Peter, because there's a lot more to his story. But I do think that we look at it because it shows us how exposed all of us are to the possibility of denying Jesus and missing the mark. But this is what the devil wants. He wants to distract us. And we've said this a lot of times too. The devil would rather have us focused on our past, focused on our failures, focused on what happened yesterday, last night, this morning, to throw us off to where we can't be a witness for today and serving in the purpose that God has for us. I've shared with, with you, if you've been around long enough, you've heard me speak. I, that's a part of my story. That's where it's personal to me. The devil kept me down for a while. 
because of areas that I didn't feel that I was qualified or that I, was, that I measured up. But if we get caught up in that, we can't be effective in our walk for Christ. You see, the big thing in this story is we see two different scenarios play out. And this is something that I've, I don't know that I've actually compared before until I was really studying this. But we see Judas and we see Peter. And both of them had a choice. Both of them messed up pretty bad in this, in this case. And they both had a choice. And we see that Peter's choice turned out that he still sought after the Lord. He picked himself up. He learned from it. He got plugged back in. And we see how his story turned out so much better than Judas's. So let's look at the book of John, the conversation that Peter had with Jesus after his resurrection. In John 21, 15 through 17, it says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. <laughs> Peter was hurt. Imagine that. That Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. No matter what thing you've done or what your past looks like, Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sins. And he wants to restore you. Peter was restored in this. There's a, there could be a, there's a whole sermon out of this passage of Scripture that's for another day. But I want us to see that three times Jesus gave him the opportunity there to negate what he had done before and tell him that he loved him. But he also gave him something to do. Feed my sheep. Okay, take what you've learned from this. Take what I've given you, my sacrifice, and go do something with it and reach people with it. Jesus wants to restore you into a relationship with him. And I want to tell you, if you call on the name of Jesus, you are redeemed. The end. The devil will try and distract you from it. He'll try and lie to you about it. But you are redeemed. And there's so many times we get caught up in this circle. And we're just trying to repair the areas that we didn't have discipline in. We're trying to fix things that we weren't disciplined to get right in the first place. So many times it makes me think if we're meeting with couples and marriages and stuff and we sit down with them, a lot of times after the first meeting, they kind of look at each other after they've talked through all of it and we're like, I guess we kind of know what we're supposed to be doing. Just, just haven't been disciplined in it. And that's the case in a lot of areas of our lives. But it's time that we take back what the devil has stolen from us. And this is, this is where I'm passionate, y'all. I'm talking about our confidence and our passion and our fire for God. It's way past time that we quit walking around with our heads down, defeated, because Jesus Christ is one. And if we're walking around feeling sorry for ourselves and everybody else and not going to Him and getting repaired and getting restored and getting redeemed so that we can go out and feed His sheep and win others for Christ, we're missing it. It's hard to expect great things to happen 
when we're walking around defeated. Jesus even gave Peter a glimpse of what the future was going to look like. He told him that it was going to be death. If he followed this path of following him, Peter was going to die. And it didn't deter Peter. See, Peter had learned. Peter had learned from the past, but he wasn't living in it. He was going to the future. I believe Peter grew and he learned something through all of this and he became more dependent on God and he didn't isolate himself. It's easy to feel that shame and just draw back. But that's not what he did. We're going to jump ahead to the book of Acts, follow Peter's story a little further down the road. And this is right after the day of Pente- on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came. And in Acts 2.14 it says, Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles. They had his back then. He wasn't by himself. He had the 11 apostles with him. And he stepped up boldly and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. Now his confidence is not in himself, but it's in Jesus and what he's discovered there. See, he's he's a different person here because of the choices that he made. He was preaching, and he preached an amazing sermon that day and shared so many things. We're going to jump down towards the end of it in verse 38. And it says, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching, for a long time. Anybody know anybody else that does that? I'm sorry. <laughs> Strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Two choices. And we see the path that Peter took. This is what I remember Peter for. Peter had a calling on his life, and he didn't let the lies of the enemy keep him down in his past. And thousands came to know the Lord because Peter was redeemed, and he was restored, and God used him to reach them. So the last point today is that Jesus wants to use me as part of his story. There's some of you here that the enemy's been lying to you for years that he can't use you. That you're, you've done too much. You're not good enough. But this morning, I want to remind you that Jesus wants to use you. So this last point, I think it's important maybe that we even say that together. I want you to repeat with me. Jesus wants to use me as a part of his story. Jesus wants to use me as a part of his story. Each one of you has something that you've learned from, something that God has moved in your life, an area. He wants you to share with others. He wants to use a talent of yours. So I ask you, what do you think of when you think of yourself today? When you say your name, what do you think of? Is it shame and regret? Or is it redemption, restoration, power, 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what he's provided us. That's what's available to us. You don't have to live defeated anymore. The Bible tells us to be ready and stand watch. Because we don't know the hour or the day that he's coming back. Each day that goes by, we're getting closer. Who knows when it's going to happen, but we're getting closer. It's a promise. It's going to happen. Are you ready for that day? It doesn't matter how bad things are right now. Jesus can restore you today. Sometimes for many of us, there's a process after that. But He can restore your heart today and set you back on the path that He has for you. So today is the day that you quit believing those lies that the devil's been telling you for years. And you start proclaiming the promises of God over your life and over your family. Thus saith the Lord. So as we close today, Peter had a weak moment where he where he messed up like most of us have. But he brought it back together and he was bold in the end. And each week we have people that give their lives to the Lord. They turn from that past. And they have a new future. They have a fresh heart with the Lord. And I don't know, I just feel like today I need to do something different. And I ask you as believers to be praying now, but we're, gonna, we're not going to bow our heads. I, I think if the Lord's moving on you, I think it's a day to be bold. And we talk about that the Scripture, and the Scripture says that when one person gives their life to the Lord, all of heaven rejoices. And we rejoice with them. And we want to rejoice with you today if you're ready to make a decision for the Lord. So as you evaluate, and if the Holy Spirit's moving on you, I just ask you, if you, if you want to give your heart to, to Jesus today or rededicate your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to stand up, and we're going to celebrate. Don't let the enemy tell you to be embarrassed by anything. This is a celebration. This is the best day of your life. People aren't going to look at you funny. We're going to start cheering and clapping for you if you make that decision. And we're going to celebrate it. Because it's time to take a stand for the Lord and not be ashamed and not deny so I just ask you, if there's anyone here and you want to make that decision today, stand up all across this place. I know this is different. I got you right there. Yes. Come on. Yes. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Yes. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision for Christ or could use prayer for any area of your life, please let us know. All you have to do is text Greenbrier to 88000 and click on Connect Card. Be sure to join us next week.